0: sports talk mississippi's brian haydad along with robbie falk from 24 7 sports give you an inside look at the bulldogs on the field the court and the diamond now get ready for thunder and lightning this is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk joining you on a Wednesday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. Appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our service and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Don't forget that tomorrow is the Palmer Home Radiothon, a statewide fundraiser for the Palmer Home, and as part of that, All day long, all sales at the two Strange Blue locations here in Starkville. uh, We're going to donate a percentage back to the Palmer Home. So if you're not already a regular customer, please make sure and swing by there. Grab a beverage. You'll enjoy it. You'll get your day off to a great start, and you'll be helping a lot of great kids here in our state uh, here in Mississippi want to thank our good friends over at College Corner who have just been working harder than maybe they've ever worked before getting National Championship merchandise sent out to you. National Championship polos are now in, so go check those out. Go to collegecornerstore.com or either one of their two locations in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. And you can grab yourself some cool merchandise. And of course, you know, we're getting closer and closer to the start of football season. You got you to change it up. New look. New look MSU. This year it's going to be different. You got to make yourself look different. If you I, I don't want to see them. I, I, people, people are tweeting to me today about maroon is all that Matter shirts. Guys, these are a plague. It's still they're still out there. How how is this possible? How are they not extinct? Like even if you bought one like later in Chrome's tenure, at best that shirt is thirteen years old. How do you have a shirt thirteen years old that still holds up? It's unbelievable. Someone was wearing it must one. Made at they the have titanium World fiber. Who is wearing this at the College World Series? No you idea. have all these baseball shirts you no can clue. get, and you wear that. It's 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 really something. So, all right, don't forget College Corner collegecornerstore.com. Humble Taco, oh, Robbie. We're like less than forty five minutes from eating at Humble Taco. Let's Hurry do. up and get. Let's get. We the gotta get through this will. podcast. That's going to happen uh, tonight. But that said, next time you're in Starville, make sure that Humble Taco is a place that you've got on your list of stops. Such great food, a menu that everybody's going to find something that they like. Great atmosphere, the big patio out there. When the weather's nice like this, you just can't beat it. Humble Taco, Mexican fare with Mississippi roots. It is Starkville's newest and best Mexican restaurant. We are going to, for the first time in quite a while, I guess not counting the football shows we did last week because they were just sort of, we had to do them in that fashion. But our first topic today is not going to be baseball. We'll we'll, we'll wrap up the draft uh, in the second part of the show, but we're going to start with some football. We started talking about this on Sports Talk Mississippi because they were, as always, fawning all over John Rice Plumlee at the throne of John Rice. The greatest backup quarterback slash converted receiver of all time. In seriousness, though, it's not just Ole Miss people though, that foam at the mouth about this kid. Yeah. National people do it as well. But we were talking about, you know, what's reasonable expectations for him in year one as it, now that he's, he's making the switch to receiver. And we, Long story short, we're t- we started looking at 1,000-yard receiving seasons. How many do you think Mississippi State has had in its history? Um, two or three
1: because Marty McDowell did it in the seventies, mm-hmm. and then Fred Ross did it in mm-hmm. two thousand fifteen, mm-hmm. and that's it. Okay, well there you go. That's it. Well, that I I have to think that's not going to last very.
0: Well, that's long. what that's what we're going to talk about here. Is is you know how quickly can that 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 streak or, or that that funk be broken? who's going to break it, and, and who are the, the top candidates there beyond the obvious guy. And we'll start with the obvious guy, and that's Jaden Wally, who, you know, this feels right. If I, make, I have to make a lot of assumptions. I make an assumption that State is better offensively, that Mike Leach's offense in year two looks like what Mike Leach's offense has looked like every other stop he's made. That you're talking about a quarterback throwing for over 4,000 yards. That we're gonna have one guy in there who's gonna account for close to a thousand yards. That guy in all likelihood will be Jaden Wally, assuming he's healthy, assuming everything else goes to plan. What if I said, you know, you know, fifty-fifty or whatever, I want to set some odds, where would you set them on Jaden Wally being a thousand yard receiver this year? Seventy. Seventy percent. So
1: last year he played in eleven ball games and he had seven hundred and eighteen yards. That's two less games than what Mississippi State plays in a regular season with a bowl game, but he didn't. He didn't start really becoming a primary part of that offense until the one, two, three, four, five, the eighth, seventh game of the season mm-hmm. against Georgia. Yeah. So over the last four or five games, he had he had four straight 100 yard receiving ball games. If he's a if he's a primary primary part of that offense for the entire season. He easily gets a thousand yards last year mm-hmm. um average over thirteen yards of reception if he does that for the entire thirteen game schedule then you're you're looking at a thousand yard receiver last year mm-hmm. i think so i I don't you know this year you gotta expect that he's going to be just as much a p- part of this offense as he has in years past. And you look at other guys. I mean, Cyrus Mitchell had 500 yards receiving. So you had two guys over 500 yards last season. You feel like it's going to happen pretty soon. I would put my money on Jaden Wally this year if he has that same kind of success regularly this season.
0: I, I agree. I, I, you know, if you told me to sort of, sort of figure out his stat line as we sit here in July, I think, you know, 75 catches sounds about right. And then you got to figure out you know, what is he going to average per catch? And if he's averaging like right at 14, 15 yards per catch, that's where you know we're going to be in this thousand yard range. That said, you know it's not a failure for him if he has sixty-five catches for nine hundred and twenty-five yards. Right, it's a fantastic season for him. Um, and and then, you got to think there's going to be more guys that step
1: up for Mississippi State at receiver this year than they have in the last five or six years.
0: I'd have to sit down and, and like really sort of figure out the math on it. But you know when you're talking about you, you want to break down four thousand yards between maybe nine guys, and that's nine guys when you consider the running backs. You know, you know Johnson and Marks are going to have a, a chunk of that. You know, Who gets what percentage of what? I mean, like right now when I think of Austin Williams, I don't see a guy who's going to average 10 yards a catch. So He might have 50, 60 catches, but he's probably going to be around 495 400 to 500 yards. Yeah. Uh, Malik Heath is a guy who could be more of a yards per catch kind of guy. I don't know how many catches he has. So he could have maybe 35, 40 catches and be closer to 600 yards. That would, make, that would work for me. A guy like Teddy Knox, I think, is going to be a big yards per catch guy. I think he'll be a guy who averages 17, 18 yards because they'll use him to stretch the field with his speed. Tula. But how many catches is he going to get? Yeah. Maybe 15 or 20. Marks, Tula, Tula Griffin. Tula Griffin, sort of the same way. Marks and Johnson will be guys who average less than 10 yards a catch, but they'll have 40, 50 catches between them. Or I'm sorry. Maybe a piece, and then you have Wally, who is the the top dog in all this. So you know, mathematically, you got to—it's like a Tetris puzzle. You got to figure out how everything sort of links together to make make the full thing. I'm going to see to see how different
1: this looks this season, because last year, you know, you're, you're breaking in a new offense with these guys. You got a brand new quarterback in there for most of the season, and Will Rogers' defense has kind of figured out what to do. And there, there wasn't, you know. a a whole lot that this offense was able to do last year are we going to see marks and johnson have 96 catches like they did last year for what 400 yards or whatever it was like uh, are are we going to see them get that many passes thrown their way cuz this this past year there there was a lot of checking down dumping down to them because everybody else was covered is mississippi state's offense look different this year do they have do, do they are they able to get the ball in space more this year or are teams going to be able to have you know an effective game plan in that zone defense against them doesn't it feel like
0: uh, like maybe we're overthinking it sometimes with this and that look yeah last year was rough but even as rough as it was combined in 10 games you still threw for well over 3500 yards against all SEC opponents yeah. So in, in a regular 12 game season, it feels like it's almost you know a a, a given you're going to go over 4000 with the way you're throwing the football. Now, state should run the ball a little bit more. They should be a little more judicious with the turnovers this year. But Mike Leach it, it just seems like to me that the guy has a reputation and a resume. And you know, until look, if they're bad this year, then in year 3 I'm going to be, you know, sitting here telling you he, it, it, he's in trouble, but as I sit here today, I, all I can think is it's worked everywhere else. I feel like it's going to work here. I, do you feel like maybe we're, we're worried for no reason?
1: I don't know if it's for no reason. I, th- I think there is, I, th- I think there is legitimate concern about what this offense will be able to do. I mean they, didn't, they, they had just over 300 yards of total offense last year per game and less than 300 yards passing, they had 44 yards rushing. So it was so one-dimensional that, and you know, I I thought that they were going to be able to use the passing game a little more effectively like a running game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the plays to the running backs, those those short dump-offs, things like that, they just weren't very effective. No, not at all that the defenses were sitting there waiting on the running backs to catch the ball so they could hit them. So th- the How times where times? they did gain yardage was when they got loose away from How those- many
0: times did we see a running back catch the ball with his back to the defense? Yeah. I mean, So he's got to catch and turn, and in that motion, the linebacker's there. And I don't know if it's
1: getting the ball out quicker. Is it blocking better? Is it getting open? I don't know what the answer is to that because – State wasn't good at blocking three down linemen last year, or even four guys with the five that they had. So the offensive line has to be better. You feel like guys got to get more open, and the running backs. I mean, the quarterbacks have to get the ball out quicker. Will Rogers has to get the ball out quicker if he's going to dump it off to the running back. He doesn't need to be a set where the running back's just standing still over there on the sidelines. I don't. I don't think that's a very effective game plan. So, and I think, to your point. Of you know, are we just worrying, you know, without any uh, cause? To that point, I think that there was there was an issue with the fact that they didn't get enough time. They didn't had no spring. They didn't get enough time to, to put this offense in and take those reps. I think that is a big part of things. Um, you know, the, we talked so much about the wide splits from the offensive linemen. I think that did have a little bit of an effect on these guys. Um, the, the, this offense is predicated on those reps and having all those reps for wide receivers and quarterbacks and offensive linemen. So with a spring and a fall and, and summer work as well and what you did last year, you have to expect this offense to make a, a pretty drastic jump, I think. They need to look
0: a lot different. I want to tell you right now, you should do this, and our, our listeners should do this too. Next year when Mississippi State's playing, watch the running backs coming out of the backfield. And if your first look was to them, if your first look was over to the running back, those guys would be getting 15 to 20 yards a catch. It's incredible how open they are. Yeah. But by the time you make your third and fourth read and you're checking down to those guys, then they're, they're covered. But I'm telling you right now, first game, just, just give it a look. Just watch, watch Marks coming out of the backfield. When he, when he comes around on that little wheel route, he is wide open and can catch the ball in stride and, and can start going forward. And, and State state needs to do a better job of that. i tell you
1: what I want to see this year. Mm-hmm. From a receiving standpoint? Uh, uh, just from from an offensive standpoint, I want to see Mississippi State do what they did those last few games, running the ball. It, it wasn't you know, ground and pound or anything like that, but you kept defenses off balance, and I thought that Mississippi State's offense was just – so much more effective that way. I know they didn't light the scoreboard on fire against Tulsa, but they ran for 123 yards in that game, and it was raining, so they didn't have a whole lot of opportunities to pass it. But 11 carries for 72 yards for Jaquavius Marks. He had no lost yardage. Mm-hmm. 10 rushes for 50, 57 for Dylan Johnson. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's, you don't have to rush for 300 yards, no. but you have to be able to keep – Defense is off balance. You don't want to just snap the ball, and they know every single time you're going to pass it, and they can pin their ears back. You you got to be able to to keep them off balance a little bit. M- the Missouri game was Mississippi State's best offensive game of the year. That's why I was on the takeover. 100 152 151 rushing yards in that game. Mm-hmm. Marks 70 yards. Dylan Johnson 47 yards. Lee Weatherspoon had 26 yards. That's all you got to do. 295 yards passing for Will Rogers in that game. And he had an interception, but three touchdowns. They were effective because the defense didn't know what was coming. Exactly. They rushed the ball 28 times and passed at 36. That's a great right. balance.
0: And that will free up these receivers to get these thousand yard seasons that we're, we're talking about. Potentially, not, not, not just this year, but looking at this roster in the years to come, who are the potential guys that could be thousand yard guys? Wally. Wally definitely, you know. The, don't think we're Heath, at the end of the. This is his last. Year. We're at
1: the end of the road for Malik Heath, so I don't know if he's going to be able to get it. But, uh, you know, Tulu Griffin, Knox, Knox, Teddy Knox. I think Jacoby Moore coming okay. in. I, I I really like that Harmon. kid a lot. Uh, I don't know. I. He's I'm, the one of the
0: more intriguing guys this year.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know what to expect from him because when he was being recruited, he reminded me a lot of Dante Jones from Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like there's a lot of his body is built in a in a way that I feel like he can grow into bigger than a, than a wide receiver. I guess right. Like I, I, I feel well, like time, Dante can... Jones became a tight end. Yeah. Uh, because he just got so big, they were, they were kind of built similarly to me. And I always thought that he might grow into a tight end, but you, you can also kind of keep that weight off too. But I, I just don't know what
0: to expect from him. It's such a weird recruitment. and His recruiting, recruitment was definitely odd. He's a guy, though, that State doesn't have a guy like him. So if he can stay in that you know wide receiver body range – he could become a big weapon for Mississippi State, a guy who's faster than linebackers and bigger than safeties. Yeah. You know, that's something that you look for. He, he could be the tight end who's not the tight end. You know, be the big possession receiver, be a big red zone target, something like that. I'm I not be totally surprised if he has a role to play even this year as, as a true freshman, and maybe even more so than Knox, who, you know, who's, I don't know if he's going to play in the slot or outside yet, but. You know, State's got some smaller, speedy guys like him. but They don't have anybody like Antonio Harmon, especially now that Brad Cumbas has moved over and Jaquarius Bybee has transferred out. So,
1: well, you know he has the potential. I mean, he's yeah. got
0: he's got size that
1: you cannot teach, yeah. and he's got some good hands. I just you never really know until they get on campus. There's been so many guys that you weren't expecting a lot out of, and when they got on campus, the light bulb just came on. They were a perfect fit for. Whatever scheme they were in, there's been guys that you thought were can't miss prospects that when they came in, they were complete flops. So you don't really know what to expect until they get hit in the mouth and they take in their first practices. So that that's why I would really love to go see a fall practice or two and just get a gauge of how some of these guys are handling the air raid and, and kind of see where we where, you know. Where we think players are going to end up. That I, I really, I'm really interested to
0: see where these receivers end up. Yeah, I am too. I, th- I think State has the potential. Here's the thing, though. I think that if State gets a thousand yarder this year, they're going to go on a run of these. You know, yeah, they, they should start because we talk about Shaz Preston. I don't think he's going to come to Mississippi State, but let's just talk about him for a second. These guys in high school, they need to see a Mississippi State receiver be successful yeah. and have this kind of year before they're going to put pen to paper. That, well, so that's what's happened to Ole Miss. One, yeah, exactly. You know, Dante Moncrief sort of set the tape. Now, we can talk about other reasons, obviously. But Dante Moncrief sort of set the table for Laquan Treadwell, for A.J. Brown, for D.K. Metcalf, for Elijah Moore, and going forward. And that's how – you know, they haven't done anything yet, but that's why Jonathan Mingo and Dennis Jackson go to Ole Miss because they've seen guys – catch a lot of passes and catch a lot and get a lot of yards. Haven't seen it at Mississippi State. Fred Ross, you know, 1000-yard season in in you know in in the entire Dan Mullen tenure, it just not getting the job done. So well and that, and that's why state's been
1: able to get solid running backs over the years and defensive linemen and linebackers. They've been they've they've been able to produce. It's I mean it's just that's how that's how it works. When you when you see someone having success at the school And the school has the tendency to put these people in the NFL. That's how you get talented players.
0: Yeah, I agree. We'll see what happens. Should be a receiver is always under Mike Leach is probably always going to be a position of interest. Something we're always going to be looking at, but this season especially because you're going to see some firsts. You're going to see some records fall for Mississippi State this year if everything goes. Uh, according to plan. All right, let's move on into baseball. It's right to be our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. Just head over to Val's Market over there on Highway 12, and you can get all the great Welcome Home Beef products there, just like you were getting at the store on University Drive. All the steaks, burgers, roast, and every other cut of the cow—they've got it right there for you. And of course, now you can get them cut fresh, cut to your specifications, and the prices are a little bit lower now that they're at Val's Market. The passing the savings on to you. Welcome Home Beef products are popping up all over the state. Collinsville, Corinth, Pontotoc, Olive Branch. If your local grocery store doesn't carry Welcome Home Beef, you need to find out why. Call Welcome Home Beef to find out how you can get their products on your shelf. That number is 662 268 8148 or visit them online at welcomehomebeef.com. Welcome Home Beef. It just tastes good. Two Brothers Smoked Meats right there in the heart of the Cotton District, the place that's still cleaning up after the celebration of the national championship.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say after, your, after
0: you, were, very, you and I were there the I ate night. very neatly. I didn't get anything on my shirt, which is a first. It very rarely happens. Uh, but, yeah, whenever you're in Starkville, you know that Two Brothers is going to be one of your stops. You just can't go wrong there. The food is so good. One of the best restaurants, not just in the SEC, not just in the Starkville, but in the SEC, across the south. A, a unique Starkville landmark, that's for sure. Head over there to 621 University Drive at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Advantage Business Systems has a two-way plan to take care of you. They're going to give you a, a incredible compilation of products and services that keep your business running with more profits and less problems. Anything you need from a technology standpoint, Advantage Business Systems can put into place for you. And they back everything they sell up with the kind of customer service you want from your next-door neighbor. And that's what they are, a Mississippi business through and through. They've been helping their fellow Mississippians for nearly 50 years in this state. Call them today and find out how they can help you, 601-362-9192, or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. Rowdy Jordan, the only other Bulldog off the board in day three of the uh, Major League Baseball draft. He will join the New York Mets, which is just becoming a, a stopping point for MSU players, apparently. Jake Mangum and Gordon and JT Ginn already all up there. Now, uh, Rowdy Jordan. We're getting some some, some questions, uh, the Rumblings question starting to come in, about possibly Roddy Jordan returning. That's not, that's not going to happen. No. Um, everybody
1: drafted with Mississippi State attached to him is gone. You can just go ahead and expect them to leave. And if something happens um, to come across and, and kind of muddy the waters, then you're just really surprised and happy. But right now, I expect all those guys to sign – it's what we mentioned yesterday when I told you about the the eleventh round and kind of the and I honestly I don't know if it's going to apply to Rowdy now that I think of it because they signed Kumar Rocker for six million dollars but a lot of times in the eleventh round you have that extra bonus money and you can get guys that you weren't expecting to get but I felt like Rowdy was going to go no matter what um, if if he gets drafted at all he was going to go. And not a huge surprise that he dropped past the top ten rounds, but he goes early on day three in the 11th round. It's interesting that um, he went to the Mets, and now you have four teammates playing with each other possibly. Yeah. But then you start thinking about it. Jet Butler is the area scout for the Mets. Okay. Former Mississippi State third baseman. So Jet is a Met. Jet is a Met. Okay. And so that – that kind of makes sense now. He's he's at Diddy Noble a lot. He sees these guys, and he can vouch for them. And the last two center fielders now are, are possibly playing with each other uh, in the Mets organization, and, and Rowdy Jordan and Jake Mangum, which is really cool.
0: In a full draft, probably a few more guys get taken. I don't know who leaves and who who stays, but I feel like it went about according to the script for Mississippi State as much as it could have. Is, is Am I accurate in that? Yeah, everything went how you expected
1: from a how do i say this from a disappointing standpoint from the from what you lost mm-hmm. and i guess it's not too disappointing but everybody that you expected to go went with the exception of andrew walling who you're getting to school which is huge and then the guys that were borderline Houston Harding and Cam James and um you know also Luke Hancock all those guys did not go. And I know I know Luke and Cam turned down money uh, mm-hmm. to come back, that they, they just felt like they could do much better coming back to school. I, I'm not sure what Houston went through as far as the draft process is, is concerned. I felt confident that if he would have gotten drafted, he would have gone. Mm-hmm. But now he's got a decision to make whether or not he wants to start his career. And I I think he's probably going to come back, if I had to guess. Um, And that's how I felt before the draft started. If he didn't get drafted, he was coming back to school. If he did, he was leaving. And now you have a a loaded pitching staff, even more so than this year, which is hard to believe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And now with you know Harding coming back gives you so much gives you sort of the anchor to work around as yep. far as your weekend rotation goes. You know you've got a guy you can count on there, and a left-hander too. So that means if you want your next two guys, if you want to do a couple of righties in there, if you want Sims, Cade Smith, Fristo, however you want to play it, you know you got a lefty in there to break things up a little bit. The great uh, thing with that with that
1: pitching rotation too is this year you didn't know what to expect out of Christian McLeod, Will Bednar, and Eric Sarantola coming into the season. You knew that they were talented. They were projected first-round picks, but none of them had played SEC baseball with the exception of Eric Sarantola sparingly. Mm-hmm. And they were up and down, the, especially you know, with Sarantola was, was down for <laughs> the first five or six games that he pitched. Then we didn't see him again. He didn't pan out. And then you had Jackson Fristow that you had to throw in as, there as a true freshman, and also Houston Harding who did not pitch a ton. Um, and Bednar was, was had his great moments and not so great moments. Christian McLeod was very up and down. Next year you go into that and you have five or six guys that you feel like you can put into that rotation. Um, I, I feel like they could they could go with Preston Johnson, who seemed to be really good and extended. Relief effort against Vanderbilt, you have Landon Sims, so you feel like you can put in there on Friday night if he can extend himself a little bit and find another pitch. Yeah, Jackson Fristo has pitched a lot. Mikey Tepper could potentially be a starter. Cade Smith, Andrew Walling could be a starter. Houston Harding. I mean, you're talking about six or seven guys that you feel pretty darn good about throwing into that, and and then you have the guy the guys in the bullpen. I mean, it's incredible what Mississippi State's bringing back, on top of what they have on the offensive side of the ball. It To me, it looks like the most complete team in the country coming back from a talent standpoint and experience standpoint. Um, uh, Arkansas is returning a lot of guys, but they lost a lot from a pitching standpoint. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss lost just about everything with their two starters and, and Taylor Broadway. Yeah. Uh, but they're returning all their lineup. So – Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Arkansas are comparable in some ways offensively, but I would give State a major edge from a pitching staff standpoint.
0: So let's do it right now. Then let's do a way too early starting lineup and starting rotation. Okay. So catcher Logan Tanner. Yep. First base probably still Luke Hancock. Yeah, and and see now you got options there with
1: with Luke returning. You could you know you you could have Luke Hancock and, and Kellum Clark kind of. In and out there, and both of the both those guys could be DHs as well. Um, second base, you know, that's that's a question mark. But Davis Mesh possibly is your is your um, front runner for that position. Aaron Downs may be competing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they might go get a guy in the portal. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So second, that, that's really the only that's really the only real hole that I see. Is second base just second base? Yeah, just because there's no experience, right? Not a whole lot of experience. Tanner Leggett
0: might could play there, but Leggett seems like the the, the guy we we forget about. Yeah, like we're talking about. Oh, you could move this. This that. Tanner Leggett's just right there. Yeah, so I think my guess is opening day. That's your starting second baseman. Then Lane Forsythe at short, Cam James at third, and then the outfield: Combust at left, Skinner in center. Uh, I'll, I'm gonna go with the transfer. Okay. Well it was j I forgot his name already. Um and so did you I forgot it too. <laughs> Davis Jess Davis? Jess Davis. Jess Davis,
1: okay. Yep and then in right? And again, Callum Clark could be an outfielder. Mm-hmm. Um Skinner. Yeah. You can put maybe Cumbus in right and Skinner in left. Yeah. Or either one. I, I would probably put Cumbus in right. And yeah. Skinner and left. Yeah. Um, Kite quarter. McDonald? Quarter. The junior college transfer from Hines, I think, is going to factor in. Okay. Kite McDonald can factor in. Yeah. You have options, man. Yeah. You have you have tons of options. It's going to be the guy I think that's hitting the best. And then Kellum Clark is with that DH probably, or he can be could be outfield. Could the- I, th- I think you got to find a spot on the field for Kellum Clark. At some point, he's going to have to be able to show that he can play. Yeah, a position. I agree with
0: that. So. That could be where if you talk about Kai, you, Kite McDonald's D H. DH, DH so. Yeah,
1: that's perfect because I, I don't think he's as good defensively as
0: Columbus and Skinner. I think that that's that's sort of obvious because he didn't he hit the ball so well this year, but they weren't ever willing to put him out there in the field. Right, and then for my my first guess at the rotation is Sims, Harding, Fristo.
1: I can see that. I, I think they're going to throw it if Harding does come back, and I feel like. He's going to be a front, front runner for a starting spot. And I feel like they're going to break up the righties and lefties. Yeah. Harding
0: will be final Saturdays, I think. Yeah.
1: So so I'm good with that. Or I could see Cade Smith being. Cade your, Smith is another one. And then Fristo could be either your midweek guy or long release. Where is Walling in this? Back into the bullpen, possibly. He and
0: Stenette, probably your old your, yeah. your setup be, guys.
1: He can be a setup. He can be back in. I mean, you got so many. That that's what the fall is going to be for. You got so many arms that you yeah. can do Can't stuff. Can't pitch with. 26 guys
0: this next year. No.
1: Yeah. No. And there, there's going to be some guys cut too. Yeah. Stone Simmons is going to factor in in the bullpen somewhere. Yeah. I think Stone Simmons Johnson. Is, is a
0: great choice to be your sort of what Harding was this year. Your the guy who starts off as the midweek starter.
1: Could be. Uh Preston Johnson could be a starter yeah. like I said. I mean, there's just endless possibilities with this group and th- there's some guys that haven't proven it just yet. But Man, that I mean, we talked about how good this pitching staff was going to be coming into the season, and they might not have lived up to the hype for the entire season, but I thought they did in the postseason. This group has a chance to be yeah
0: super special. I agree. I agree. So, all right, tomorrow's show is the rumblings. Robbie's already tweeted it out. Get your questions into us as soon as you can, and we will be happy to answer them on tomorrow's show. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi.